Tonight, God's Word comes to us from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians 12, we'll be reading the 31 verses of this chapter. First Corinthians chapter 12, beginning at verse 1, what we hear now is God's word. Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagans, you were led astray to mute idols, however you were led. Therefore, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of service, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who empowers them all in everyone. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge, according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits and to another various kinds of tongues, to another the interpretation of tongues. All these are empowered by one and the same Spirit, who apportions to each one individually as he wills. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable, and on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor, and our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you are the body of Christ 
and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak in tongues? Do all interpret? But earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Here we end the reading of God's holy word. Well, we are continuing tonight our study of Paul's letter to the church at Corinth, and we are in that section which I suggested deals with issues related to the worship of the church. Uh, In chapter 11, uh, we began this section talking about the role of women in worship. And then the second half of chapter 11, uh, their understanding of the Lord's table and the divisions that were being caused by the way they came to the Lord's table. We now come to chapter 12, and again, I would suggest that chapters 12 and 13 and 14 uh, really all belong together. Now, we're not going to deal with them all tonight, but really chapters 12 and 13 are of a package. They are dealing with issues in worship and particularly the problem of division in worship. They were making various gifts in worship more important, particularly the gift of speaking in tongues, which is why in chapter 14, Paul will address that gift in particular. So we will not deal with that tonight. Uh, Come back again in a couple weeks when we get to chapter 14. We'll deal directly with the gift of speaking in tongues. Paul begins this section, now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers, I do not want you to be uninformed. And I've entitled the message tonight, now concerning spiritual things. Um, The word gifts is one of those interpretive choices we have talked about. Uh, It's not particularly gifts that are being talked about here, but spiritual matters, spiritual things, which he will flesh out in this text as gifts and services and activities how the Spirit works in the life of the church. When we come to a text like this, there are many questions that we would like answers to. Perhaps the most uh, first question that comes to our mind, are these gifts still around today? Should we still be looking for gifts of healing, of miracles, of prophecy, of tongues, of interpretation? There are churches you can go to where it appears these gifts are still manifest today. I want to be uh, forthright with you, honest with you, and give you my uh, position on the understanding of these spiritual gifts, and that is that the gifts mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12 were gifts for the apostolic church and for the apostolic church only. I hold that position based on a text like Ephesians chapter 2 and Hebrews chapter 1, that that these were for a particular time in the establishment of the New Testament Christian church. Now, I'm not going to argue that point tonight because that's not Paul's point either. Paul's point is not to argue whether or not these gifts exist. He simply recognizes that they were present in the church at Corinth. 
And these things which were supposed to be a blessing to the church, a gift to the church, were ending up causing problems in the church. And so Paul will will address them with correctives that they should do to, to be able to worship together without these problems, these divisions. I've heard ministers before um, give sermons on each one of these gifts. We'll have a sermon on uh, knowledge and a sermon on wisdom and a sermon on faith and a sermon on healing, a sermon on working of miracles. We're not going to go that route of taking each gift because I believe these were for the apostolic age. We are going to spend a time tonight looking at chapter 12, next time chapter 13, the middle part of this section, and then chapter 14, probably one or two perhaps sermons on that. A text like this raises the question, what about speaking in tongues? Is that still real? Should we look for that today? Again, we're not going to address that tonight. Come back. When we get to chapter 14, we'll deal with that question then. Paul deals with spiritual matters, spiritual things in the life of the church, and in particular, the problems that were caused when they misunderstood these spiritual gifts. Tonight, if you want a a subtitle for our our sermon title now concerning spiritual things, the subtitle for tonight would be Unity and Diversity in the Church. Paul's point he makes in verse 25. This is the point of the text, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Unity and diversity and diversity in the church. Verse 27, the second part of that point, now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Now concerning spiritual things. He begins by reminding them, verse 3, I want you to understand that no one speaking in the Spirit of God ever says Jesus is accursed And no one can say Jesus is Lord except in the Holy Spirit. The problem was in Corinth, there were these various gifts being manifest in the church. And they began to to make really a hierarchy of which were the better gifts, the more spectacular gifts, including the gift of speaking in tongues. And the people who had these gifts were seen as more spiritual, more important. And there was a breakdown in the unity of the church. And Paul says, I want to remind you that while there are these various gifts given by the Spirit, everyone in the church has received the Spirit of God. No one can say, Jesus is Lord, except in the Holy Spirit. Paul is saying, all of you are spiritual. All of you have the Spirit. Or you would not have made the confession that Jesus Christ is Lord. He wants to to diffuse their argument about which gifts are better or which gifts are worse, which gifts are higher, which gifts are lower. You are all gifted with the Holy Spirit, Paul says, for you've made the confession that Jesus is Lord. He says in verse 4, Now there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are varieties of service, but the same Lord. There are varieties of activities, but the same God who empowers them in everyone. He's going to talk about these various gifts given to the church. As I suggested, I believe all of the gifts which he lists here are extraordinary 
manifestations of the Spirit. They were given for the apostolic age only. Let's look at these gifts. Verse 8. For to one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. And I've had someone say to me, well, how can you say that wisdom and knowledge are extraordinary for the apostolic age? Don't we have wisdom and knowledge today? And we certainly hope in the church we do have wisdom and knowledge. But notice what the text says. It doesn't say the word, that the, the Spirit gives wisdom and knowledge. The Spirit gives the utterance of wisdom and the utterance of knowledge. Or what, what Pentecostals call today a word of knowledge. Maybe someone have said that to you. I have a word of knowledge for you. And by that they mean this is a revelatory word for you. I have a word from God for you. At least every Pentecostal I've talked to has used the word that way, an utterance of knowledge, a word of wisdom, not simply wisdom or knowledge in general. And that, that giving of the, of the revelatory word of God in that way was for the apostolic age. And that revelatory word of wisdom, word of knowledge, has come to an end with the closing of the canon, with the completion of Scripture. So these two, the utterance of wisdom, the utterance of knowledge, are extraordinary gifts for the apostolic age. In verse 9, we read, To another, the gift of healing by the one Spirit. Now certainly, healing is extraordinary. We don't see everyone doing that today. That was an extraordinary gift, an extraordinary power, manifestation of the Spirit in the apostolic time. He says in verse 10, to another, the working of miracles. Miracles, by their very, de very, de very definition, are extraordinary. <laughs> they, are, they are beyond the normal. And so they are certainly something that was for that age an extraordinary gift of the Spirit. He says, working of miracles. To another, prophecy, that declaration of the truth of God, that revelatory word from God. Paul has to correct him about that earlier in this book, about the fact that he does speak as an apostle. He does speak the word of God to them, and they should listen to him. To another, the ability to distinguish between spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues and the interpretation of tongues. These things are extraordinary, not given to all. They were for that time. And I would suggest that, that this entire list is of extraordinary gifts given by the Spirit for the apostolic age. And now those of you who are carefully watching the text will say, but you missed one. You missed one. At the beginning of verse 9. To another, faith by the same Spirit. Now how can we claim that that is an extraordinary gift given only for the apostolic age, something which has passed away? When he talks about faith, he is not talking about justifying faith. That faith that is given by the Holy Spirit so that we can make the, decla the, the, the declaration, Jesus is Lord. And how do I know he's not talking about that justifying faith? 
Because in this list, he is saying this is given to one, and this is given to another, and this is given to another. Various people get various gifts. If he meant justifying faith was only given to a few of you, that would make no sense. He's talking to the church, to those who've received justifying faith. So when he talks about to some are given, to one is given faith, He is referring to some sort of miraculous faith. And we find that in the context of the next chapter, chapter 13. If you have your Bibles open, look at verse 2, where Paul says, And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains. Now that is not justifying faith. That is some sort of miraculous, beyond-the-ordinary expression of faith that was given in the apostolic time. This is a list of apostolic gifts given to the apostolic age. He talks about various services in the church. We can go to verse 28. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, and second, prophets. And certainly you've seen already that the, aposto- the apostles and the prophets, those who spoke the word of God, were given for the apostolic age. He talks about miracles. Again, something out of the ordinary. Gifts of healing. Helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Well, we've seen that tongues are something extraordinary. What about helping and administrating? Aren't those regular services today? And certainly we have those in the church who are helping, who are administrating for us. But we don't know exactly what these two words mean. And the reason I say that is because these two words occur here and nowhere else in the New Testament. And when a word occurs in only one place, we have to guess at the definition. Now, kids, what if I told you that we have people in this church who are really good at blurg and never said that word again? You'd have to guess. I wonder what Reverend Niemeyer means by that. He's never used that word before. He doesn't use that word again. What does that mean? That's what we have going on here. So it was some type of helps. It was some type of administration. But like I suggested, it finds itself in a list of gifts of services that are all apostolic. And by taking the text in its context, these two then are apostolic particular things for that age. All the gifts, all the services, extraordinary, and for them alone. And so you say, well then, does this text speak to us at all? If this is a text that only deals with gifts for the apostolic age, gifts which we do not have anymore, why bother spending time reading it? Why bother spending time going through it? Perhaps it doesn't speak to us. Don't forget the larger context Paul is dealing with. He is dealing with the context of how these gifts were causing problems in the church. How these gifts 
made a lack of unity in the body of Christ. And how there is to be unity although we are a diverse people. And that certainly speaks to us today. A need for unity within the body of Christ. Again, verse 25, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. To drive that point home, Paul gives this very physical analogy, this physical example. Verse 12, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Kids, Paul uses the picture of a body. And he says, you are one person. Kids, you are not two people. You are not three people. You are not seven people. You are one person. But you have various parts. You have hands. You have feet. You have eyes, you have ears. So it is with Christ. The body of Christ is one. There is one body, but there is diversity. Verse 13, for in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slave or free. There is diversity, but there is one Body. He says in verse 14, For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. And each of those members is important to the body. All have a place in the body. Verse 15, If the foot should say, Because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the ear should say, Because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. Each part of the body is important. Each part of the body is needed for the body to be a body. Again, imagine, kids, if in your body, if your hand said, You know what? I don't want to be a hand anymore. I want to be a foot. And your hand goes away and your foot gets bigger. And then your arm said, you know, I don't want to be an arm anymore. And your arm goes away and your foot gets bigger. And you just keep doing that. Pretty soon, oh, you guys, one big foot. Now that's not a body. That's a monstrosity. Okay? Paul says all parts, all parts are important. All parts are necessary. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? We need every part. We need every piece. All parts are necessary for a body, and so it is with Christ. Read in verse 18, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. All arranged by God. This is the physical example that Paul gives to us. All part of one body. Again from verse 24, verse 23. He says, there are those parts of the body that we think are less honorable. We store we greater honor on them. We can never say, I wish I were something else. I wish I were a more exciting part of the body. No, each one God has arranged. Each one God has called. God has made his own. God has brought into his church. 
And God continues to do that. He continues to bring various members, various parts of the body into that one body of Christ. He calls you tonight to be a part of that body. We belong together. We belong as one. That the goal is there should be no division, but each member have the same care for one another. The body cares for itself. And he goes on in verse 26, and this struck me. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. If one suffers, we all suffer. As a reminder that in God's inscrutable providence, some have been appointed in the church to suffer. And he does that, that the rest of the body might share in that suffering and come alongside the one who is suffering. Now, no one wants that place in church. I don't want to be the one appointed to suffer. But he says there are those who in God's design will suffer in the body, that we might all suffer along with them, come alongside them, and be an encouragement to get to them. If one is honored, all receive honor. We're not jealous when someone is honored above us. We rejoice and we're satisfied with the place God has given to us. Paul applies this picture of the body and gives us a spiritual application. Verse 27, Now you are the body of Christ, and individually members of it. You are the one body of Christ. There is unity within the body. God has given us the gift of faith where we, where we make the confession, Jesus is Lord and we are brought into the body, but there is diversity. Verse 29, God has appointed in the church some apostles, some prophets, some teachers, some miracles, some healing, some administration. Verse 29, are all apostles, are all prophets, are all teachers, are all workers of miracles, do all possess healing? No, they don't. There's different gifts. There's different services. There's different things going on in the body, but all are necessary to the body. We cannot say, my gifts, my talents, my abilities are unimportant. We cannot say, if I was not a part of the church, no one would miss me. Kids, it would be like taking a body and cutting off a hand. God brings us together, and we belong together as his people, that we might minister and care for one another. Again, verse 25 is the point, that there may be no division, but that the members may have the same care for one another. The spiritual application of this physical principle, there is one body with many members, and each is necessary for the care of everyone. Paul concludes, verse 31, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you a still more excellent way. Verse 31 has some difficulties in translation. Paul has just been saying there are no higher gifts, so that's not really the best way to, to render this. What he is saying is, may you desire the gifts given to you that they might be used to the highest extent, to the greatest of your ability, used in the context of love for God and love for each other. Desire to be used by Him no matter what your place, whether if it is a, an apparent place of honor or something that is more menial. 
Everyone is necessary. Everyone is part of the body and needful to the body. You can't cut off your hand. You can't cut off your foot. You can't cut off your arm. You need all for the body to function as God intended it to function. All of us have received the Spirit of God, for we've confessed Jesus Christ is Lord. All of us, necessary to the body of believers, whether we are more or less visible in the gifts God's given to us, and all of us, called to use our gifts and talents for the service of the body. People of God, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. May we live as that one body to the glory of God. Let's join together in prayer. Lord our God, we thank you and we praise you for your word a word which reveals to us your way with your church in the past and your way with your church in the present. Make us, Lord God, careful students of that word, that we can know what is instructive for us today. We've talked about unity and diversity, and we recognize that diversity within us, different talents, different gifts, different abilities, but not different levels of the Holy Spirit. You've given us all the Spirit, for we've confessed Jesus Christ is Lord. O Lord God, strengthen this body. May we be one in you. May we be a unified body moving forward with each other, sharing each other's joys, sharing each other's sorrows and difficulties for your honor, for your glory, and for the upbuilding of your church. Hear our prayer, O God, for Jesus' sake. Amen.